today is Mother's Day, and we are so happy this morning to have Sister Amy Myers as our speaker. And uh, Sister Myers is... She's a great speaker. She spoke to uh, the ladies at the ladies' conference here a few weeks ago, and a number of our ladies in the church came up to me and said, she needs to be speaking at East Wind more often. So I said, well, Mother's Day is coming up. And they said, yes, she must speak at Mother's Day. So I told my wife, I said, they want you to speak for Mother's Day. She said, I only speak once a year. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, we'll have to have you speak more often. And then my buddies give me a hard time because when my wife speaks, it has more watches on Facebook than when I speak. They always call me and say, did you see how many people viewed your wife speaking? It's more than you. <laughs> I said, I know. She's an amazing speaker. And more than that, she's an amazing person. And uh, she is a true Christian inside and out. And it's just such a blessing uh, to our church and, of course, our family. I've been very, very blessed over the years to get to share the journey of life with this great lady. And so we are so awesome and so awesome. No. <laughs> We're so happy, and I'm really having to be careful because I'm introducing my wife, you know, so guarding my footsteps. Um, but we are really happy to have this awesome lady to come, and we want her to come and minister. Would you welcome Sister Amy Meyer? We love you. Love you, baby. Praise the Lord. Let's give that to God. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. You said it, and I believe it. Nothing is too hard for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. What an honor to be with you this morning on Mother's Day. It's a treat and a blessing to be with you. You may be seated. I have a special treat for myself. My daughter, Sophia Myers. Come on up, Sophia. I'm so happy. She's becoming such a beautiful young lady and makes me so happy and so sad at the same time because I want my baby back. But um, so this morning, we're going to share a little something with you. And I've asked Sophia to join me. And she's going to read for you a poem that my grandmother, she wrote in 1959. So in the 1900s. So she wrote a poem, and Sophia's going to read it for us this morning, and it goes a little bit along with what we're going to talk about today. Sophia. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you may go, if it be the mountain height or in the valley low. But my Lord, I need your strength to guide me on my way. For I am weak and helpless, Lord, and I am so apt to stray. Lord, I love you better every day. Lord, I love you more than I can say. You walk, you talk, you comfort me when I am weak and low. That is why I love you. Lord, I love you so. But should I fall and bruise myself? Pick me up, dear Lord, I plead. For without you, I'm nothing. Lord, you're all I need. Lord, don't leave me and never let me stray from the straight and narrow path. Go with me, Lord, I pray. Lord, I'm nothing. Oh, God, I need you so Never leave me, Lord, oh Lord, don't let me go. I wouldn't want to live, dear Lord, without you deep inside. To love and comfort me, my Lord, to ever be my guide. Amen. Thank you, Sophia. 
beautiful. The first line of that poem is a little bit what we're going to talk about today. Lord, I love you and I'm going to follow you. So this morning we're going to talk about following the Lord and following in the footsteps of Jesus. If you'll look with me at Psalms chapter 23, verse 6. This, this Psalms is talking to us. David wrote and he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm is based on two things. It's based on sheep following a shepherd. It's a metaphor, and guess what? We're the sheep. Jesus is our shepherd. Earlier in the text, he talks about the shepherd is leading and he's guiding and, and he's leading these sheep and they're going somewhere, but we, we're thinking about where's he going? Where's the goal? What's the ultimate destination that the shepherd is leading these sheep? And that got me thinking, and it's important for us as sheep to know where we're going to know what we're, where we're headed, what direction are we going. And something that we use is to help some of us more than others is GPS. You all use GPS on your phone? Do you remember when we used to buy the GPS? And they were like, you have to update, and now they're on our phones. And so the GPS, if I'm somewhere, especially if it's somewhere I'm not familiar with, a town or a city, I'll plug in my destination. And if it tells me turn right, I turn right. If it says go left, I go left. If it says go straight, I follow it because it says go straight. Now my husband says I'll follow that GPS straight into a lake because it said to go right. Now obviously I'm not going to go into a lake, but I'll follow it because it's leading and guiding me. Now there's some things about that GPS is kind of, I like It'll have on there my miles, like 43 miles till your destination. I love that because I'm always trying to make sure I have enough gas to get there. Okay, so yeah, we got gas. Oh, and it says, oh, it's going to take you 38 minutes. And then I take that on as like a personal challenge to see if I can beat that 38 minutes. Because if I can make it in 35, gotcha. I beat you and you don't know what you're talking about. Now... My husband, on the other hand, GPS is merely a suggestion and it's to be taken ever so lightly if you want to. He, he looks at a GPS as a, maybe just a guide, but not necessarily we, something we have to stick to because to him, everything's an adventure and let's just go down this road and we'll see where it goes and leads. And I'm like, no, the GPS says go straight, but he, 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 he likes to explore. And, and I'm thinking, where are we going to go? How are we going to get there? But he has a great sense of direction. He knows which way is north. I never know which way. When I get to I-4, am I going east? Am I going west? But I'm going north. So it's great for me to have a GPS. But life is like this. God's taking us all on a journey. And we need to know what's the map. What's the road? What's the destination? Where are we going? What path to take? What trail to go to reach our final 
destination, heaven. Our guide is Jesus. He's leading us in this map that we have to follow is his word. That's our GPS. And the question I'm going to ask you all this morning is, are we following in the footsteps of Jesus? In our text this morning, Psalms chapter 23, verse 6, the word follow here means to pursue to chase. David says, your goodness and your mercy shall follow me. For us to have goodness and mercy to follow us, we must be doing something. We must be following Jesus. That word right there, goodness, it means, it means the blessings of God. That word goodness means the generosity of God. He's talking there about God's provision, about God's protection. He's referring to the love that he has for us, the care that he has for us. God is so good to us, Eastwind. He is so good to us. He guides us and protects us over and over. So good to us. We're reminded continually of this in Psalms and especially in 106 verse 1. Psalms 106, verse 1. David says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Psalms chapter 145, verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. Moses was asking God. He wanted to he wanted to see his glory. He wanted the glory of God to be revealed to him. And 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 God responds back to Moses and he says he says I'm going to show you and by doing that I'm going to show you all of my goodness. Moses in in Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 the Lord passes before him and proclaims the Lord the Lord God, merciful and gracious. He is long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and the transgression of our sin. So we see the word in Psalms 23, mercy and goodness. We see these two words that are used, and they are very closely connected. Now let's look at the word mercy. Mercy, for this word in the Hebrew, it's a great word. I don't speak Hebrew, so bear with me. But this word in Hebrew is he said. It's spelled H-E-S-E-D. But they pronounce it like he said. This word, there's not one English word that can adequately describe or translate the depth of that word. It has to do with God's mercy, and it has to do with his forgiveness. It has to do with words like grace and steadfast love towards us, his kindness and his loyalty towards us, his faithfulness to us. And when I began to read those words describing what he said means, I began to think about of all the things that these describe God. God is merciful to us. God is forgiving to us. God shows grace to us. He shows his steadfast love that runs so deep and it does not end 
towards us. He is loyal and faithful. And all of those adjectives, all those are all rolled up into one word that they use. He said. Now, F.B. Meyer defines the goodness and mercy of God by this definition. He says, goodness is to supply every want, but mercy is to forgive every sin. Goodness is to provide, but mercy is to pardon. So, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we're going to talk about a few things that we need to do. And one of those is we need to have certainty. We need to have certainty. David had a certainty about him. He begins this verse with the word, surely. Surely is certainty. Surely. It means yes. Yes, goodness and mercy shall. That's another certainty. Shall follow me all the days of my life. And he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a confidence that he has when he's writing. There's a surety in the word. And this means, yes, it means there's no doubt. David has no doubt in his mind. There's nothing unwavering. There's no questioning. He states, surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me. James chapter 1 verse 7 says, And every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Once again, we are reminded that God's goodness provides and his mercy will pardon. So everything we have is a gift from God. He will provide for us and he will bless us and he will protect us and he will keep us and restore. No matter the situation you're facing, no matter the difficulty, we can have a certainty in Christ. We are in him following in his footsteps. We have a certainty that comes with it. We can have a certainty that what the enemy meant for evil, God means for good. We can be certain that because when we walk with him, there's a peace that comes. There's something that comes, a special peace that comes from a certainty in him. There's a special contentment that comes from certainty in him. There's something about certainty that keeps you like an anchor on a stormy sea. We can have certainty that something that we obtain in Christ through experience that is he's giving us a gift he's giving us this gift and when he manifested himself in flesh and he revealed himself as Christ he expressed a certainty for you and I that we may know who he is that we may know him and so that is a certainty that we have. Paul says that I may know that I might be certain in him and in the fellowship of his suffering. You may be at Target or Walmart or at the store or Publix or whatever, and you may see somebody and you can think that you can look at them and you think that you know everything about them. But you really don't. You're just observing to know them, to be certain who they are. You have to have a conversation with them. You have to have communication with them. You have to have a relationship with someone to be 
certain in who they are. So we can be certain in Christ, not because of who we are, but because we know who he is. Amen. We are certain in who he is. He gives us a confidence when we know him, when we have that relationship with him, when we know who he is, we have a certainty. Our faith is not an abstract belief in a theory, but it's a living relationship with Jesus. Paul says that I might know him in his suffering. First Timothy chapter one, verse 12, Paul is telling us, he says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know he says, for I am certain I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that whom I have believed and I am persuaded. That's another. I am certain that he is able to keep that what I have committed unto him against that day. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful for the certainty that we have in Jesus, the certainty of his word? The certainty of him. There is a certainty Paul's talking about that comes sometimes in, in human suffering. Um, a few weeks ago, um, I was able to be with my mom and some of our family as we were able to spend the last few days with my aunt. And she's a very godly woman. She um, loved the Lord and would speak of him. She was a Bible quiz mom and, and she kept children in the church and she was just a wonderful, wonderful woman and a godly woman. And there was suffering at the end, but there was also an increase in her faith and in my faith because I was certain about where she was going. Even though there was some suffering, I had a certainty. I had a certainty in knowing that things were going to be okay. I knew what her, where she was going to be, what her destination was going to be. And so because of that, not because of an illusion or something I've thought up, but because I had a certainty in Jesus, I knew where she was going. Aren't you thankful for the certainty we have in him? Thankful for the certainty that we can... We get when we walk and follow after him. Job was suffering, we would say. He was suffering. He lost all that he had, lost his children and everything that he owned. And, and he begins to, Job 19.23, he proclaims with an absolute certainty. Here he has lost everything. And he says, oh, that my words were now written that they were printed in a book. They are. They're right here. And they were given with it, graven with an iron pen and the lead of a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer, I know, I am certain that my Redeemer liveth and he shall. That's another. I, he shall. I'm certain that the latter day upon the earth and though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh, again, I shall see God. He had a certainty that he was going to see God. Even though Job was suffering, he had that confidence in Christ. He had that certainty in him.
His goodness provides for us. His mercy pardons. So the second thing we have to do to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is we must have proximity. So we have to have certainty, and now we have proximity. If we look back at Psalms chapter 23 and verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. So to follow, we have to be close behind. Have you ever been with somebody and they said, they started giving you directions and you're kind of like, I'm not sure. They said, you know what? Just get in the car and just follow us. Just follow us. And you get behind them and you get up to the stop sign and then they take off and they're zooming in and out of traffic and you're trying to catch up. And then you get up to a a yellow light and you think they're going to stop, but they just go on through the yellow light and you're stuck at the red light and then you're trying to watch them down the road and oh is that them no that's not them that's not their car and then you're following following and then all of a sudden you think maybe they don't want me to follow them (laughs) maybe they don't want me to go sometimes we can be like that with Jesus he says notice the imagery of goodness and mercy is going to be following us But who are we following? We're supposed to be following Jesus. We're supposed to be following his footsteps. We're supposed to be close behind him. We are the sheep following the shepherd. And mercy and goodness is going to follow us. And we're to be sandwiched there in the middle. Buffered between the shepherd and mercy and goodness. Keller, a author and writer, was also a shepherd and a pastor. And in his book, the Psalms 23 from a shepherd's view, he stated that mercy and goodness are the sheepdogs. He said that these are the twin components of divine love are like two sheepdogs that help the shepherd corral his flock. Have you ever seen sheepdogs work where they have the crowd sometimes it's sheep or it could be cattle or and they'll go around and they'll be usually one or two dogs and they're working and they're pushing that sheep that herd will start kind of meandering down a hill and all of a sudden they'll come up around and push them up back up this direction or those sheep start going over by a cliff and they'll push them around this direction or all of a sudden they'll start going in a little dangerous and the sheep work they work and help the shepherd move the sheep where they need to go back to the pen back to the corral And the shadow, they shadow the flock to steer them in the right direction. When the sheep start to go astray, here they come. Mercy and goodness following us back. When we start going the wrong way, here we come. Mercy and goodness following us back. Keeping us, spurring us on, we start slowing down and get distracted. Mercy and goodness coming up behind us. So they they have this this type, this metaphor of them falling behind. But for us to be having mercy and goodness falling behind us, we've got to be falling behind the shepherd. And sometimes in our flesh, in our humanity, we get things kind of turned around. And we start chasing after mercy and goodness. We start chasing after the provision and the protection. And we start chasing and pursuing the comforts of life. Or we might start chasing after the affirmation of others and we start chasing after goodness and mercy and we leave the shepherd behind before we know it we're stuck at the light and we're lost and we're like wait 
Where am I supposed to go now? Where, what direction are we going? In reality, we should be following after the shepherd. We should be following in his footsteps. He should be the one we're chasing after. He should be the one we're pursuing. Jesus in the gospel uses these, this phrase, follow me, 13 times. John chapter 8 verse 12, he says, Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He that follows me. He's saying, follow me, the shepherd, follow me. When you ever go and visit like an historical place or you go out of town, they'll have like these markers or a guide that you can, you can go and they'll say, walking in the footsteps of dot, 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 or a guided tour through the town. And it's always some kind of a, you're supposed to go where they went or walk where they went. And most of us may never get to journey to Bethlehem or the banks of the Jordan River where the footsteps of Jesus or the cobblestone streets in Jerusalem or walk along the shore of Galilee. But we can go there in faith. Amen. We can go there because we must go there. Peter said that we are all called to walk in the footprints of Jesus. First Peter chapter two, verse 21, he says, for even here unto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us or suffering, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. We should be walking in the footsteps of Jesus. We can sometimes find ourselves frustrated and it could be that we're not pursuing him. We're pursuing mercy and goodness and looking for these other things instead of following after the shepherd. But David reminds us that as long as Jesus is out front, as long as the shepherd is leading and guiding us, then mercy and goodness are going to follow us. When we are in close proximity to the shepherd, when you keep following in his footsteps and you're close enough where you can reach out and touch him, when you're close enough where you can see, oh, there's his footprints, there's, 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 that's where he's going, I need to follow him. And as long as we're pursuing him in close proximity, we will be with him. How close are you to following in his footsteps? John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. He wants us to follow him. When um, we took our family to the general conference in Africa to be with the missionaries there, we had our kids and we thought it would be a great opportunity to do a tour that was a walking tour because the kids were young, especially the boys, and they would be great to get them out walking, burn off some energy. And so we're in a, in a guided tour and the, the Jeep had about maybe 12 or 15 of us in there. And we pull up to this area where we're going to get out and do our walk. And the ranger, the guide that was with us, he gets out and he has this great big shotgun. And he starts strapping on these 
protectors on his legs. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Where are we head to? He had these special snake protection wraps on his legs. I'm like, where are we taking our kids, you know? And so we're walking and he stands at the Jeep and he's going to give us a little orientation. And he said, all right, everybody, we're going to take off heading this way. It's very important that you stay in a single file line and you put your steps exactly where I put my footsteps. And immediately we're all like, why is this so important? What's happening? And he says, does anybody know why we need to do this? And my boys, me, 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 me. They say, he says, yes. And Gregory and Luke are like, because the world's four most poisonous snakes are found in Africa. <laughs> and immediately, like, ten people ran and got back in the Jeep and would not leave. <laughs> it was like, are you kidding me? But he was stressing the importance And I am for us today, the importance of walking in the footsteps. Stay in the footsteps of Jesus, walking in his footsteps. There's safety in those footsteps. There's comfort in those footsteps. There's healing in those footsteps. As long as we're following after the shepherd, we're walking after him. He's going to keep us. He's going to protect us. Perhaps... You might be a stay-at-home mom, and you have toddlers or young children, and you see your days filled with chasing after them. God's goodness and mercy is going to follow after you. Maybe your days are filled with sickness. Maybe you see doctor's visits and medicines and procedures and treatments and tests, and that's all you can see in the coming days. But guess what? God's goodness and his mercy will follow us. Yes, they will. You could be a grandmother or an aunt, a caregiver. You could be a foster mom. In your days of giving and caring and nurturing, they may seem that they're full, but God's goodness And mercy is going to follow after us. Some days might be filled with grief or loss or disappointment. But we can have a certainty. And as long as we're in proximity to him, we know his goodness and his mercy is going to follow after us. Thank you, Jesus. This is where we find his goodness to provide, and his mercy is to pardon. Paul said it best. He said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Being with Christ is far better than anything this life has to give. Amen. Paul and David, they were both chasing after the shepherd. 
Both of them were, were following in Jesus' footsteps. And goodness and mercy was following after them. And I have good news. As long as you're following after that shepherd, you're not going to get lost. He's not going to lead you into a dark alley. He's not going to lead you astray. And he's not going to say, detour ahead. He's going to say, follow me. We're going to go this way. Follow me. We're going to have joy. Follow me. We're going to have peace. Follow me. We're going to have happiness. The third thing that we need, that we receive when we follow in his footsteps, is destiny. So we have certainty in him, and we have a proximity, and then we have destiny. If we follow him, we're going to get to our final destination. Amen. If we stay the course and follow the GPS. Have you ever had your GPS? Especially if you're like on the interstate and you're driving. And then all of a sudden it'll tell you to like turn, take the next exit. And you're like, what's happening? Sometimes our GPS will tell us to take a detour and go down a side road. And there's an accident up ahead. We don't know what's up ahead. Just like that, just like our GPS, the Lord knows our future. He knows what's before us. He knows what's ahead of us. And as long as we're following him, it doesn't matter what's in our path. He's going to lead us around it. He's going to take us on a detour. He, we're taking the scenic route sometimes. Sometimes it's, the, it's a different path. Sometimes it's a way we've never been before. But it's okay if we're following the shepherd, if we're following in his footsteps, if we're letting him be our guide, then things are going to be all right. Amen. Amen. David says in the final phrase of Psalms chapter 23, verse 6, he says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell. He declares it. I shall. He shouts it, I can imagine. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. David, his life, some may say, was a life of chaos. He had constantly on the run. He was running from Saul. Saul had him on the run. He was running from his son Absalom. He was on the run. But he always states, I shall well, I shall, he knew one day he was going to get back to the house of the Lord. He knew that maybe my, maybe my route's a little different than what would normally take, but it's okay. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. I will reach my final destination. I will make it. Amen. He states this and we want to know what is it going to, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be to be with him for eternity? We see in Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 6, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city. He saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them. Amen. And he shall, there's the certainty, he shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Here's another certainty. And God 
shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall, another certainty for us, that there shall be no more death, neither sorrow or crying. There won't be any more pain, for the former things are all passed away. And he sat upon the throne and he said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write these words are true, right? For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am certainty. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Ladies and gentlemen, death is no more. No more pain. No more crying. No more soreness, no more tiredness, no more fighting. We're going to be with him forever. That is our final destination. Amen. Our final destination. And as long as we are following the shepherd, he will guide us every step of the way. David says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. I shall be with him in heaven. I shall be in his house forever. Psalms chapter 23, verse 6. He parallels in that verse. He starts in the beginning where he says, all the days of my life. And then he also follows with, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Psalms 27, 4, he says, there's one thing that I have desired. I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty and to inquire in his temple. So David, when he goes from being anointed as king, Saul comes and anoints him. And then he's going to be crowned king. There's a span of time that happens between there. It's important what we do with that time while we're waiting. And he he was there waiting. He was anointed. He knew he was going to be king, but he hasn't been crowned yet. So what does David do with that time? He goes and he becomes a shepherd. He goes back to doing what he knew was being a shepherd. And he knew that he needed to do that before he could reach His final destination. Sometimes in our walk, we might go through the valley of a shadow of death. Sometimes, like in Psalms 23, he says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. But how do we do it? How do we do that? We do it the same way David did. We declare, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want his goodness and mercy are going to provide and pardon us. He says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If we pursue the shepherd, if we follow in his footsteps, there comes with that, that goodness and protection, that mercy and that grace that's going to follow us while we were on that on that conference trip, our guide was telling us about um, the wildebeest in Africa. And they are famous for their great migration. They will travel throughout the plains of Africa. And they are a fascinating creature. 
they have a scent gland in the hoof of their, in the middle of their hoof. And every time they take a step, there is a hormone that is released. And as those wildebeests march across the plains, each one is taking a step and that hoof is making an imprint into the ground. And the, they believe that those, those scents is what use, the, the animal uses to help uh, as a type of communication, but it's also a type of location device. It's a guide for those wildebeest. It's a guide for those behind them. It's a guide for the herd behind them. And that hormone excretes into the ground and provides that location. Every footprint, every step is for the future herd. Every step is for those that they are following behind them. And they will march for miles. And they will go in any direction that that footprint, that scent that they smell, they will follow. And they'll stay, sometimes stay in a straight line for miles. And it's all because of the person before them. They're following, they're following the footsteps. They're following that step. So who are we following today? We're following after Jesus. And those footprints are making those imprints in the ground. And those wildebeests are knowing which way to go. Oh, we're going to go right here. What? Nope, nope. We're going to go left. Now we're going to go straight. And it's because of that hormone that it is being put into the ground. So that's leading them. They're walking in the footprint. Amen. Amen. When we follow in Christ, we follow his footprints. We know that we have a certainty in him. And as long as we keep a proximity to him, he will lead us to our destiny, which is eternity. Amen. If you'll stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your footsteps. Thank you, Lord, for leading us and guiding us. Thank you, Lord. The great thing about when we follow after Jesus, it's not going to end in some dark valley, but it's going to end in triumph. Because one day, he's going to part the clouds, and he's going to return to receive us again. And so where those footprints lead, we follow. Amen. His footsteps are going to lead us and behind his goodness and mercy are going to follow. Amen. I wonder this morning if you may have reversed that and you started chasing goodness and mercy and you need to on your GPS. Sometimes when you make the wrong turn, sometimes I make, I get in the wrong lane. And before I know it, I was supposed to be making a right-hand turn, but my lane's going left. And I have to, GPS will go, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Sometimes we need to recalculate, amen? Sometimes we need to let the GPS, our guide, our shepherd, recalculate, point us back in the right direction. If that's you this morning... If you'd want to come down to the altar, our altar workers will pray with you and be with you and help you recalculate. Following in Jesus' footsteps. Because he's not going to lead us astray. 
you put GP, Jesus as your GPS guide, if you want to say it that way, and follow in his footsteps, he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you in the right way. You don't have to worry or fear. You don't have to wait for an update because he's going to be there. As long as you follow and seek after him, follow in his footsteps, amen. I encourage you this morning to reach out to him. If you lift your hands and tell him how much you love him, he's going to lead us and guide us. Thank you. Thank him for his mercy. If you're not sure what to do this morning, thank him for his mercy and goodness, for his provision, his pardon. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for leading and guiding us. Thank you for protecting us. We follow after you, Jesus. We follow after you. You're so good to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.